Chapters three and four of Just Sweethearts, a Christmas Love Story by Harry Stillwell Edwards. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter three. Lent was well under way, and the first Easter displays in show windows when on a Saturday morning King found a little note perched on the top of his office mail which read if you will be at the old delmonico corner near union square saturday at four p m you may walk with me as far as twenty-third street on condition that you turn back there and in the meantime ask me no questions don't come if the conditions don't suit whence she came he never knew but as he stood waiting she appeared before him her face radiant her gentian eyes smiling up to his he lifted his hat quickly and fell into step with her along the east side of broadway now that the supreme moment had arrived he raged inwardly that a species of dumbness should have seized upon him turning her head away the girl laughed softly she had no fears the subtle instinct of her sex had informed her that it was not a contest between man and girl but between woman and boy the discovery pleased her and then smiling she challenged him well sir what have you to say for yourself king rallied this you are to marry me of course that was arranged in the beginning of all things the important thing now is to get acquainted again the low sweet laugh and upturned face sounds like the verdict of a fortune-teller one of your old south atlantic voodoos been earning a dollar he was amazed it was not to be the last time this girl was to amaze him she was an amazing girl why place me at the south atlantic oh my innocent doesn't everybody know charleston and savannah brogue when they hear it close but it was a little further down are we so distinct though nobody can imitate it i've tried the fraud was apparent my poor voice sticks i can't change it god forbid but getting back to the wedding i am in earnest and you don't even know my name i have name enough for two nor who i am i know who you will be that's enough nor if i am nice don't jest nor my profession i may be an artist's model soubrette chorus girl paid companion waitress manicurist or lady's maid she glanced down at her very homely dress i don't care what your profession has been i can look into your face and see that it has been honourable it's going to be mrs king dubinion look up i love you can't you see it her eyes swimming in light and laughter met his you absurd boy do you always make love this way is it the custom a little further down than charleston and savannah i have never before spoken of love to a girl my lips have never touched a girl's and then i have been waiting for you a deep flush suffused her neck and face and for the first time she betrayed confusion don't please she whispered it is impossible that any man could love any girl so suddenly and i don't like to be treated as a silly king had whirled suddenly and was facing her impossible 
do you know that it takes all the will-power i can exert to keep from snatching you up in my arms i resist because i don't want to frighten you what do i care for people for broadway this is the twentieth century we haven't time to play guitars under windows or sit in the moonlight week after week testing our emotions we live by faith move by faith faith in ourselves first because if we are square that's faith in god and then by faith in our women and when they are square that's trust in god we don't just meet the women he creates for us we have known them all along we just recognize them and take their hands in ours for eternity my soul has been sitting at the window all my life waiting watching i have found you name family occupation they are hung on human beings as so many garments i don't know any of yours but i recognized you at the first glance you are for me and i for you and in your heart you know it come oh come she whispered hurriedly paling a little we must not stand talking on the street see people are beginning to stare you are making me conspicuous he followed her in silence disdaining to look about him but already regretting his outburst it had gathered more force and emphasis than he intended his moodiness returned where were all the fine things he had planned to say what a thistle-eater he was they had reached madison square she regained composure first and seated herself on a convenient bench he heard again the sweet low laughter and felt her eyes looking up to him funny isn't it he questioned ruefully immense very prompt you believe me nevertheless oh i believe you do but come sit down and tell me about that home a little further down than charleston and savannah coast island he said rather glad of the change surf and all that i suppose nothing finer on the ocean coney island rockaway cape may atlantic city why the surf there is a ripple compared with cumberland and tybee you swim of course all islanders swim like river rats you should see the breakers at cumberland twenty miles of them down to dungeness it takes a swimmer to get through there and back when the wind is in the northeast but it's second nature with the natives they ride the combers like wild horses how long have you ever been in the water there among the wild horses she leaned forward eagerly her eyes searching his every feature ten hours once you see i was pretty small and the tide took me out but it couldn't drown me and a lumber boat happened along but if the boat hadn't happened along oh the tide would have brought me back dead maybe but i think not i am a floater some swimmers are not balanced right for floating women hardly ever she gave him a friendly smile and there is where your home is what the war left of it two wings of a cochina house and an unbroken view of desolation but it was home now you are talking sensibly home that's always worth talking about let's quit the foolish love business and yet it is love that makes the home true but think of a home where the wife was one a stranger 
by a stranger, on the street. Oh, that is strongly put. I had not thought of it that way. Better now than too late. The answer is, in my case, that you are not a stranger. Outside of every man's life there is a woman standing. Just outside, her radiance across his path. He is always conscious of her there, but he cannot see her. He finds himself striving because of her, ambitious because of her. Then one day she steps in, and he recognizes her. And because of her he keeps his soul clean and face to the sunrise. Some call her the ideal, but I know her as the woman God made for me. Now you understand what I meant when I said I had waited for you all my life. What a beautiful thought! It's not my fault I met you on the street. Perhaps it may not always be on the street. You mean you will let me come to see you some day? I am not suggesting that. Then you never will? I have not said so. He relapsed into moody silence. Listen, she said, at length, picking up the loose end. You are not altogether a stranger, either. Again that swift, half-mocking, upward smile. Outside of every girl's life there is a man standing, just outside, his shadow across her path. She is always conscious of him there. She knows him as the man God made for her, but she cannot see him. Then one day he steps in, and she recognizes him. What a beautiful thought, he echoed, and then, down in Macon, for instance, did you recognize me? I am inclined to think I did, she answered with a faint smile. Nevertheless, I took you at your word and asked about you. In Macon? No, silly! What did you learn? Oh, that you are a talented young draftsman and ambitious. Also, you are a dreamer, an impetuous dreamer. You certainly are that. If I were an adventurous as well as penniless, I might marry you and take chances on your success. I could always quit, you know. But I am not an adventurous, and marriage is impossible for us. Why impossible? The sun was gone. There is a fact I can't tell you now, and you were to ask me no questions. But the fact is now insurmountable. Tell me that fact. I cannot. But on my honor, if I did, you would not want to marry me. You would leave me on the street and never return. Her face, now grave and earnest, was lifted fearlessly, and her eyes met his in sincerity. His dumb distress touched her. Her color deepened a little, the passing of a thought. The light of battle flashed in his brown eyes. Here is the limit you set, Madison Square. Here is my answer. The only fact I recognize is, you have stepped into my life. You are my woman. Beautiful, come with me to the city hall for a license, and then to the minister. Yonder is a taxi. I love you. I'd just as leave marry you out of the street as out of a palace. He drew a thin circlet of gold from his finger. Here is my mother's wedding ring, almost her sole legacy to me. It goes with my faith that you are the kind of woman she was. Mist was in the eyes, turned suddenly away, and then back to him, 
her face glowed with an almost unearthly light and beauty she reached out took the ring kissed it and handed it back with reverence she said tenderly but i cannot wear it there is a reason why i cannot it's not for me now you'll know some day mystified he stood silently watching her face and then you'll see me again soon won't you perhaps but i am not always free i shall have to pick a time now you go back please i must go on but wait i i, I want to thank you for that faith it is the most beautiful thing i have ever known it would not be hard to learn to love such a boy she smiled divinely good-bye one of them looked back after the parting the psychologists know which chapter four four days of suffering registered on the southerner in the hours when he should have been sleeping he picked at the meshes that held him it was true that he seemed to have always been conscious of this girl whose vivid beauty now enslaved him these artists have wider worlds than the common run of humans but what fact had she in mind which if revealed would make his love impossible who and what was she he gathered the threads of evidence her time was not her own she was by her own admission or so he construed it penniless he had met her when offices were discharging stenographers for the day and shop-girls were beginning to start homeward when she left him she went in the direction of the theatre district but why shouldn't he marry a stenographer or an actress or a shop-girl or even a model or a manicurist or a lady's-maid if she were square what had her occupation to do with his happiness king was younger than his years as are most southerners but he was sensitive to delicate influences without analysis he knew that this girl had touched an atmosphere of refinement and was educated and she had travelled but what was so poor a girl doing in charleston and savannah and macon it sounded like a theatrical route one day on impulse he consulted a theatrical agency and learned that naughty marietta had been in macon on the twenty-third of december and jacksonville on the twenty-fourth he knew the opera and had seen its array of beauties and yet he could not figure out why being of the marietta company should keep her from marrying him but and there came the devil's hand in his affairs but these theatre girls marry so recklessly king sat up in bed when this thought arrived and uttered a word he had learned from his grandfather's overseer it was not a nice word and yet and here a gentler voice intervened and yet don't you know the girl isn't married don't you know of course he knew the girl was not married then what the thunder was all the row about father in the penitentiary mother scrubbing office buildings for a living brother a pickpocket sister gone to the bad tuberculosis pellagra not these latter certainly and what had the others to do with her marrying him nothing if he had a say so he dismissed them with a mental finger-snap and put his faith again in destiny she was his woman he would win her in spite of herself 
Then, on the fifth day, came a little note. He was to be at the entrance to the Metropolitan Museum at one hour past high noon. He was there promptly. She descended from a bus at the corner and came to him rapidly. Inside, she said, smiling, but passing. He followed. Inside, she fell back with him. Then came the quick, characteristic, upward look. The gentian eyes were troubled. "'What have you been doing to yourself, little boy? Are you working too hard?' "'Scarcely that,' he laughed. "'But possibly sleeping less than usual. And you? But why ask? You are the same radiant, beautiful girl as when I first saw you.' "'Don't, please. I detest flattery.' The word beautiful doesn't flatter you, but I think I understand. However, if I'm not to call you that, what am I to do for a name? Can't you trust me with some little old name? My uncle calls me Billy when he finds me amiable, Bill when he is displeased, and William when he is out of all patience. You can take them, all three. You'll need them later. Miss Billy will do for me. "'Billy or nothing, sir.' "'All right. Now then, Billy, listen to me. You've been through this place?' "'Dozens of times. I suggested it because at this hour it is not frequented by—because it is apt to be uncrowded, and I want to be alone with you. Forgive me if I shock you.' "'Forgive you? Come, I know a place where few people will be passing. It is both public and private.' all right let's go sit down and tell glad stories of live kings good paraphrase where did you learn the original oh i read to an old lady friend a great deal i'm learning lots of pretty things in books lightly touching her arm he guided her to a broad seat screened by a marble group at the far end of the hall here is the place now i have a confession to make i have not been strictly true to you to myself. Been flirting elsewhere? The truth is, I inquired of a theatrical agency what company was in Macon on December 23rd, the day I met you, and was informed it was Naughty Marietta. That is all. Don't think I am asking you a question. It makes no difference to me if you are Marietta herself or a chorus girl. Billy gasped, and after a swift glance to his solemn face, laughed until her eyes swam in tears. "'You dear boy! No, I am not an actress. That is, professionally. I went to Jacksonville, since you want to know, as a—' Uh, "'Can you stand a shock?' "'Don't tell me. I don't care to know.' She picked at a darned place in her glove. "'As the companion of an old lady. Are you very much disappointed?' happy old lady said king fervently disappointed i have an intense admiration for the girl who earns her own living but billy why work don't you have forgotten the fatal fact but there is no fact that can be fatal to us unless unless you are already married she considered this a moment her face very grave and you think it possible that i might be married and at the same time willing to meet you this way? How could you love such a person? I don't think so, said King miserably, in over his head, but there are only two things that could keep me from you, death and marriage. 
and believe me billy you are far from dead then suddenly the little hand was slipped in his and he saw his own image in the gentian eyes king you will let me call you that won't you my king oh don't you understand there must be a mystery between us how long the good god only knows but it may not keep us from each other all the time can't we be just sweethearts till then don't you know i love to be with you and and would love you if i might don't you know don't you know king the inevitable happened she was swept up in the arms of the young man and his lips were pressed to hers for one long moment while the world swam about her and her heart stood still she lay unresisting helpless then he released her and leaped to his feet my god he cried in a whisper staring at her incredulous can you ever forgive me i was crazy mad i did not know what i was doing billy go leave me and never come back i deserve it he was trembling from head to foot she arose with slow dignity her face very pale and tidied her slightly disarranged dress her eyes timidly searching the perspective ahead and lips quivering there was but one couple in view and their backs were turned king she said you must promise me you'll never do that again you must king or i shall have to leave you and not return i swear it never until you lay your head on my breast of your own free will but presently she turned and faced him bravely her eyes again on his a new note was in her voice she seemed older king i can't bear to see you look unhappy and i am not a hypocrite i forgive you because i am glad you kissed me just once and in that way now i do not doubt you cannot doubt i do not doubt myself king my splendid boy oh this is shameful she choked covered her eyes with one hand, stretched the other blindly toward him, but before he could take it, was gone. He stood as she left him, looking down the vista through which she fled, but seeing nothing. Presently he pressed the back of one hand to his eyes, and then examined it in wonder. Oh, Terence, Terence, what would you give to see that? You'd blackmail me fifty years. End of chapters 3 and 4